Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm incredibly uh, honoured and privileged to be, to be here, not only finishing Winter Project, but actually be here speaking at the 6pm service. I don't ever take for granted that on a Sunday evening that you could be anywhere else, but you have chosen to be here tonight. And so I don't want to take that lightly and I never want to take that for granted as well. And as Pastor Tony was saying, I actually, uh, I was a bit annoyed at Pastor Tony how he asked me to come after Pastor Paula Marie, told me to come after Pastor Scott because they are... They're absolute giants and heroes in my life. Uh, Pastor Paul and Maria are not just my senior pastors, but they are my spiritual mum and dad. And they're actually like my real mum and dad uh, as well with a lot of life I've done with them. Pastor Scott Thornton, oh, what can you say? The little pocket rocket uh, that he is, the bundle of energy. And then obviously sharing this stage with not only Pastor Tony, but also Pastor Tony's enormous biceps as well that I have to share this stage with. I had to actually go home and do some push-ups myself just to ease that insecurity <laughs> that I'm feeling right now being up here on stage. But I had the privilege of being out west this morning and seeing the West Campus, <laughs> West Side, which was really good. And, uh, it's good to be able to finish off the night here at the 6 p.m. service. But a little bit, uh, I guess, about me before we get into the Word of God. As you heard, myself and my wife, we are the youth pastors at, uh, at Epic Youth in Auckland, New Zealand with Life Church, And we've been doing that for a little while now. I've actually been married for uh, coming up three years now, which is pretty cool. Yep. Uh, no babies just yet. We're just at the practicing stages uh, of, of babies. So who knows? It could happen before we realize it. But we're, we're, just, uh, we're just enjoying life, enjoying hanging out with young people, enjoying hanging out with the leaders. And I'm actually really excited. I get to see my wife tomorrow. She's picking me up from the airport, I hope. Hopefully she remembers to do that. But um, I, I wasn't, I've actually spent my whole life in Auckland, New Zealand. I was originally born in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, and I moved over in 1999 when I was seven years old. Do the math, that's how old I am. I uh, moved over in 1999 and I actually went from Auckland, but I actually spent most of my life growing up in LA, uh, Lower Auckland. Um, <laughs> apparently it's pretty similar to LA. People hate each other while driving as well in Auckland. And I guess instead of millions of people in one city, we just have millions of sheep. So I guess it's pretty much, pretty much the same thing. But I... Uh, I'm excited for the word tonight. I didn't realize that you guys were doing the Daniel Dilemma, and I felt like the word on my heart actually matches up and marries really well with what uh, was said this morning, with what Pastor Tony was sharing. So hope you've come expectant. Hope you've come ready for the word, because we are going to go into it. The title of my message or my thought or kind of the discussion point that we're going to be having tonight is I've called it Accidental Christian. Accidental Christian. And if you've got your Bibles with you, or if you don't have your Bibles, that's all right, because you can follow on screen. We are going to turn to the book of John. Book of John 4, verse 4. Here we go. He had gone, to, he had gone through Samaria on his way, and eventually he came to a Samaritan village called Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. At about noontime. Important. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Hey, would you please give me a drink? 
He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why would you ask me for a drink? Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, I love this, you don't even have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons that the animals enjoy? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never thirst again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within, within them, giving them eternal life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. God, we thank you that you are so for us and not against us. God, that there is nowhere we can go where you wouldn't leave the 99 and come and find us. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that these wouldn't just be my words. In fact, I ask that you would remove me from the picture so you could do what only you can. God, we ask that you really perform miracles tonight internally in people's worlds, that we will walk out of here differently to how we walked in. And everybody said... Amen. I feel like because I've been a winter project that I guess I can be a little bit honest with you guys, uh, a little bit vulnerable, maybe share a few things that you wouldn't judge me for, maybe not the case, but I kind of feel that way because I've been here all week. So I thought I'd start by sharing uh, a, bit of, a bit of my struggles that I had growing up. In fact, especially as a teenager, there were a few things that I really struggled with that I, I just feel comfortable sharing with you guys. Uh, I guess we all kind of in our modern day age, we have addictions. It's sort of been a, a word that we throw around. I had a few addictions growing up. One of them in particular that, look, I'm not proud of. I've, I've moved on slightly. But one of the big addictions that I had growing up was I was addicted to pee. S3 and PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 1, pretty much any gaming console that there was, I was pretty addicted to. In fact, I had a group of friends and we were the gamers. We loved gaming. But when you game, you, you often stay up all night. You often game uh, too much and sleep too little. And so married with my gaming addiction, I had a bit of an uh, energy drink addiction, all right? Energy drink ad addiction, most of all V, I love God's chosen drink, V. I, I love it. Even to this day, I still drink way too many energy drinks. And you know what? I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. The people who are judging me right now, I can feel that. <laughs> I can feel that judgment right now. And you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm gonna return the favor with truth and grace. All right, yeah, I was listening this morning. The people who are probably judging me right now, you're probably the same people who go to Hungry Jack's, get an upsize on your combo, and then ask for a Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Those are the people who are probably judging me right now, but I've, I've still got this unhealthy addiction uh, attachment to energy drinks. I love it. Working with young people, uh, you, you don't blame me. I, I kind of need all the, all the help I can get, and Jesus, of course. But I, I do, I, I love him. And often when I'm at work or I'm in the offices, I'll need to get away from people. And rather than bringing an energy drink with me, I'll kind of make an excuse to go to the petrol station or, or go to the local whatever and get, a, and get an energy drink. I never forget this one time. 
I was on my way to, to the petrol station and I was kind of going in with, you know, just literally in and out. I, I just actually had a bit of work to do. So I just wanted my energy drink. Then I wanted to leave. And as I was kind of walking in, out of the corner of my eye, I kind of saw a, a guy just standing at the entrance, staring at me, like, like really staring, like glaring at me. And he obviously didn't know the, the rules when you people watch. There are very clear rules whenever you people watch. If you're sitting at a cafe, if you're sitting at a restaurant, and you're people watching, which is a great thing. If you don't do it, you know you do it. And, uh, if you, but there's rules. The rules are like when you're driving your car and you're staring at someone, that you can stare at them as long as you don't make eye contact with them. As soon as you make eye contact, your people watching is over for that person and you have to people watch somewhere else. <laughs> Again, those of you judging me, oh, you don't do it in real life, you just do it on Facebook. Yeah, snapped, <laughs> snapped. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. Anyway, I was, uh, I, was, I was on my way to the petrol station and I caught out the corner of my eye looking at me and he didn't know the rules because I turned back and I caught his eyes, but he didn't look away. In fact, he thought it was like an invitation to then start coming up to me and talking to me, which is definitely not the rules when you're people watching. <laughs> Seriously. And so I kind of, as I was about to walk into the petrol station, he kind of stopped me and was like, hey, how are you? And before I even had a, a chance to answer, he was like, hey, can I use your phone? I need to make a call. Now you've got to understand, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a very big man. <laughs> I'm uh, no Pastor Tony, let's put it that way. And this was a big man, much bigger than me. And if he wanted my phone any other way, he could have taken my phone. So I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to oblige. Here's my phone. <laughs> Do you want anything else? I'll give you my wallet. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't say that. But I gave him my phone. And he started calling and, and he started talking to someone and he kind of started like walking around, you know, when people do. And I got really nervous, so I kind of started following him as he was, <laughs> as he was on his phone. Like, please get my phone back when you're finished. And he kind, of, he kind of hung up and he was still holding my phone. I thought, can I have it back? <laughs> please, I mean, you can keep it if you want to, but don't eat me. Uh, so he, he was still there holding my phone and, and he kind of just started chatting. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm stuck here now. I'm, I'm talking to you. Let's, let's do this. You've broken all the rules, so let's just keep going. And we started chatting, and, and I was kind of like, he asked me what I did. I was like, okay, cool opportunity. I'm, I'm a youth pastor. There's actually churches down the road. He goes, oh, awesome. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, uh, nothing at the moment. And I went, oh, okay. He goes, yeah, yeah, I've actually, um, I've actually just got out of jail. <laughs> In which case, I stepped even closer with my hand out. Like, <laughs> and he goes, yeah. I was like, oh, uh, how... <laughs> Where do you take the conversation from there? <laughs> how, how, long, how long has it been since you've been out of jail? And he goes, no, 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 no. Like, I've just gotten out of jail. What? Yeah, yeah. So Mount Eden Prison is 500 meters down the road. They've just let me out right now, and I don't have a ride, and so that's why I needed your phone. And I kind of had one of those moments where, in my head, I had a full conversation, but only took like a few seconds. In my head, I was thinking, what do you say after someone has just told you that they've just got out of jail? Is there like a, a, a something that you say? I don't know. And so all that, before I could catch the words, all that I found myself saying was, congratulations! <laughs> congratulations! Um, I'm actually just about to go and buy an energy drink. Can I buy you one too? <laughs> And he was like, that would be awesome. So we both walked in, uh, two big men uh, walking into 
into the <laughs> petrol station. And I said, uh, any, any energy drink in particular? And he goes, yeah. Actually, I would love it if you bought me a Red Bull. It's not a V, I thought, okay. And he goes, no, 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 no. Um, the reason why I would love a Red Bull is actually years ago, I was drinking a Red Bull when the police came to my house and busted me. This was my first drink uh, before in prison, and this is going to be my first drink after prison. And I thought, man, God, you, you have a sense of humor. <laughs> Let's put it that way. We shared a Red Bull together. We, we had a bit of a, a story exchange, a bit of a heart exchange. We chatted for a bit. I uh, actually got to a point where I was like, hey, man, like, uh, I don't know where you're at, but this is literally our church just down the road. I'd love to invite you there. He started saying, no, nah, actually, Dan, um, I, I, I love that invitation, but I really want to get connected back to the church I used to go to, grew up there. And I said, hey, awesome, man. If you, if you need anything, if you need another Red Bull, uh, here's my card if you want to give me a call. He went on his way and, and I haven't seen him since. But we had, this, we had this touch point. We had this connection point. And I would love to stand here and be like, I know, Dan, you're amazing. Look at you. You're evangelist. You go to petrol stations, meeting convicts, talking about Jesus. Oh, you just, you've got it sorted. I would love to be able to say that. But the reality is that that conversation, that encounter, that touch point happened like nearly six months ago. And here I am still telling you that story. And that challenged me. In fact, that really got to me because here I am thinking that happened nearly six months ago. When was the last time that I had another story like that where I wasn't just a Christian, I was a purposeful Christian, where I wasn't just someone walking, doing my life because there's things I got to get done, but I actually went out of my way to engage, notice and have a touch point with somebody else. The message title being Accidental Christian. I guess for me, I've been super challenged and I'd like to encourage some of you out of my challenge that I don't want to be an accidental Christian. In fact, I don't want, I want to have a lifestyle of Christianity. I don't want to have a Sunday service. I want my Sunday to fill me up for the services from Monday to Saturday. I don't want to be the type of person who's feed me, feed me, feed me, come next Sunday, feed me, feed me, feed me without ever actually emptying back out again. I don't want my Christianity to be a hassle rather than the greatest gift of all time. The whole message idea came out because I got challenged. The whole message idea came out of this concept that I guess a fundamental belief that I have. And my fundamental belief is we need people but people need us. We need people. We need what people have. We need people's stories. We need to be able to sharpen ourselves with other people. But also, people need us. I'm quite a simple guy, as you can probably tell. There's not a, not a whole lot going up upstairs. So I like things to be pretty, pretty simple, pretty clear, uh, not too confusing. And so when I came to this concept of what does it mean to be a purposeful Christian, I guess the scripture that really stands out to me is one in Mark 12, 30 to 31. In the New Living Translation, it says this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And I can't like to pause there. 
I can't like to stop there and be like, you know what, God? Makes sense. All right, I'm good. Let's do it. And I kind of don't like to keep going with the rest of the Scripture because then the next part of the Scripture kind of messes me up because the second is equally important. Equally important. Equally important. You see, if you look up the the Greek translation for equally, it means equally. (laughs) It is equally as important. What is? To love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment that is greater than these. God, are are you sure? Are you, you didn't, I know that the word was you inspired, Holy Spirit uh, kind of wrote it. I know, I, like, I get that, but are you sure you got this part right? Because that's a pretty big statement to make. That's a pretty bold claim to make. Like, I know you like people. I mean, I know you sent your son Jesus and died for us. Like, I know you're into people, but equally as much? <laughs> you ever felt or made someone feel equally not as important? Anybody? Oh, awesome. Just me. Okay. Yeah, cool. No, no, cool. I'll keep, I'll keep being vulnerable. I, uh, I think so often I have to catch myself, especially in a church context. I have to catch myself making sure I'm not making people feel, you know what I mean? I got I to gotta catch myself doing it. You might know what I'm talking about. When you're talking to someone, but it's kind of like they're looking at you, but they're not looking at you. They're looking like just over your shoulder and they're talking to you like, mm-hmm but they're looking over your shoulder, kind of like at the next person. And what they're kind of saying is, I'm talking to you right now, but you weren't my first choice. (laughs) Like we're having this conversation, but I'm actually wanting to talk to the person behind you. You just happened to get in the way. And it's kind of like, I don't really feel too important right now. Or maybe a classic one is when you're having a conversation with someone and as you're speaking to them, they kind of get their phone out and they start, you're like, I'm, I'm talking to you and they start like laughing. It's like, I haven't even, I haven't even been funny yet. Like, what are you laughing at? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to have a conversation with you. I have to constantly catch myself making people feel. <laughs> I have to constantly make sure that I am aware rather than it just accidentally happening, being purposeful in my communication, in my conversation with people. Because I want people to know that if I love God, I also need to show that through the way that I'm communicating, talking with them. You see, I love the scripture in the Bible. If you're in around church for a while, it's pretty well known. But it's such a beautiful depiction of the way Jesus sees us, the way Jesus leans into us, the way Jesus is so purposeful with us, with my life. I don't want to be known as an accidental Christian. I want to be known as someone who is on purpose. And their purpose is simple. Love God, love people. So here are some examples, I believe, that as we sort of chew through the Scripture, as we sort of unpack some of this teaching really quickly, here are some really quick, basic principles that I believe we can take from this passage, take from Jesus' life, the way that He showed His love for people. You guys ready? Sounding all right? Cool. Well, ready or not, here we go. Here are three examples of how to avoid being an accidental Christian. Number one, here we go. Jesus showed the power and importance of giving someone the time of day. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from a long walk, 
sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. Put a context to this situation. The reason why this woman was at the well was because she was too ashamed of the life that she was living to actually be around people a whole lot of the time. So she would go to the well when she knew that no one else would be there. She would go to this well to draw water because it was noon, the hottest part that no one else in their right mind would want to go there because you would draw the water, get dehydrated, finish all your water before you even get back. But she was there. And I love what the Scripture says because it wasn't a coincidence that Jesus happened to go out of His way to be at the well. It wasn't a coincidence that this woman probably had gone time and time again, but just so happened on this day, saw Jesus there. How do I know that? Verse 11, her response. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. What are you doing at a well if you don't have a rope or a bucket? What are you doing at a well if you can't even draw the water? See, I believe that Jesus wasn't there for the well. He was there for the woman. I believe that Jesus, being tired, weary, could have been doing a whole lot of other stuff, but decided, you know what? I want to be purposeful. There is someone that needs me right now, and I'm going to go to that well. I might not feel like it. In fact, I don't feel like it. I'm tired, I'm weary, but I'm going to go there. And there he met her. You see, the miracle started, I believe, in the purposeful conversations. I believe in a currency that is worth more than a paycheck. I believe in our modern day society, the thing that actually holds the most value is not our fortnightly paycheck or monthly. If you're monthly, that, oh, that's unfortunate. Eh? I'm, I'm, like, I'm struggling to budget on, on like fortnightly or weekly, never mind budgeting on a month. So, anyway, I, I believe there's a currency worth more than a paycheck. And that currency is time. I believe that time is becoming more and more valuable as life is just seems to be becoming more and more full. You know, I wonder how many people we get our coffees from that we don't give much time to. I wonder how many people at the supermarkets that we see on a weekly, monthly basis but have never had our time. I wonder how many people we get our haircuts from or interact on a daily basis that because time is so precious, we don't even give them the privilege of a look in the eye. I wonder how many people don't want a whole lot from us. They just want a bit of our time. You see, I'm not trying in any way to undermine anyone's time or, or priorities or scheduling. Please hear me out. I'm just trying to, I guess, encourage us, stir us up, that there are people just needing a bit of time. There are people in their jobs, sitting at the well, waiting for someone, waiting and hoping that someone will recognize them, will speak into them, will give them a bit of guidance. I believe there are people in our worlds who are just looking for a bit of time. I wonder what Auckland, New Zealand would look like if there were Christians who were a bit more intentional with some of the time that they offered, I wonder what Adelaide would look like. If there were a bunch of churches and people within the churches who were committed to leaving a bit of a margin within their day, within their week, that they were purposeful with and being intentional with when it, gave, when it comes to giving people the time of day. 
I, uh, I guess a classic example of this is, is donation people. You, you know the ones, the ones with the little, the little boxes, the ones who also break all of the uh, eye contact rules. <laughs> the, the, you know those ones. The ones who when you walk into a, a shopping mall and you see them and you literally go, well, I guess I'm not doing any shopping today. <laughs> and then you walk back out. Yeah, <laughs> those ones. Classic example. You know what? Can you, just, can you just take my money, but please stop taking my time right now. You can have a donation. Just, just don't take my time. I love self-checkouts. Honestly, I think they're the best thing ever. I'm so over waiting for people who, who have to decide that, that which order they want to put their groceries on the, on the... Just put your groceries on. As you can see, there's a massive line. We've got somewhere to be. I love self-checkouts. But again, it's... it's it's time. It's, it's time. There's such a precious... Uh, time is so fragile. And sometimes we can, we can hold it so close and actually forget that within our time, there are, there are people. And those people matter. And those people are in need of someone to notice them, in need of someone to extend an invitation of, hey, I know my time is, is precious, but you are more precious than that. How about we just talk for a bit? I think the best example I can give you of someone who is the most intentional person I have ever met with their time is actually uh, one of our cleaners in, in the big complex building that, that our, our church offices are in. I have talked to this guy so many times and to this day, I still could not tell you his name. I have no idea. I don't even know if this dude speaks English because every time we interact, he goes, yes, and that's how we talk. I, uh, I see him in the, in the foyer, <laughs> yes. The elevator opens, yes. I try to go to sleep at night, yes. No, he doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't do that, he doesn't do that. But that's, that's how we communicate. But the amazing thing with this guy is no matter what he is doing, he's probably in the middle of doing something really important, I don't know, but whatever he is doing, whenever he sees me, he will stop what he's doing. He'll literally like, yes. Unplug whatever he's doing. Come back. Yes. And greet me. I have no idea if he's a Christian, but man, he's the best Christian I have ever met. I am not even kidding. There's just something about him just being so purposeful with his eye contact, with his engagement, with his hello, with his smile. Well, not hello, with his yes, with his smile. The value that he puts on me simply by offering his time is something that I'm constantly challenged with. Because Jesus modeled his purposeful time. He wasn't on the earth for all that long, but he was purposeful, especially when it came to people. I wonder how much of our days, our weeks, our years we justify with our busy lifestyles at the expense of people. Number one, Jesus modeled the power of the time of day. Number two, Jesus modeled vulnerability. Here we are in verse eight. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, although many of you know this because the scripture says it, Jesus was breaking every single Jewish norm. He was breaking every single cultural um, thing that's okay. <laughs> you are not allowed to do what Jesus was doing. For one thing, as the scripture says, Jews and Samaritans do not interact with each other that way. Another thing, men do not talk to women without their husbands there. Not only that, men do not talk to women who are unclean like this woman who had five 
who knows, maybe a few other men on the side who was deemed unclean. This Samaritan woman in this situation was putting Jesus in an extremely vulnerable position to the point where he was literally putting his reputation on the line, being at that well in that moment with that woman. He was not meant to be there. And society would say, get out, do not be with that woman, leave right now. What are you thinking? Jesus showed vulnerability. He was willing to be vulnerable because he knew that vulnerability breeds vulnerability. I believe the miracle took place. Well, I'm actually not sure if the miracle would have taken place without an exchange of of vulnerability. She knew that Jesus shouldn't have been there and that spoke value. I wonder how many of us think that we have to first have it all right and we have to first have it all together. You know what? I have to always speak from a place of victory. No, what if? What if like Jesus, we can speak from a place of vulnerability before we speak from a place of victory when it comes to speaking, investing into people? I, uh, I love the phrase that biblical context put her under. The Samaritan woman is, is, is unclean. It's, if, if you read a bit of the, the parallel scriptures or, or, or what this context was in, she was, she was unclean. She was, she was unworthy. And I wonder if this kind of paints a picture of how so often in our society, we, we love the idea of doing good within Christian, uh, Christian circles, and it's so good. We do some great things overseas and give money. But, but what about the unclean neighbors that we have? What about the ones that make us feel a little bit uncomfortable? What, what about the ones who uh, speak a different language to us? Well, actually, maybe like only every third word is a different language <laughs> to what we're used to. What, what, what about the, the unclean ones? Are we willing to put our reputation on the line to be seen with those types of people, to be having conversations with those types of people? I love the life that Jesus modeled. So simple, yet actually so difficult in some ways because it takes such courage such boldness. I love the Daniel dilemma and, and everything we're learning with grace always first, then truth. Grace, but we have to be able to be vulnerable enough and secure enough in who we are to extend a, a hand of vulnerability. And finally, as I invite the team up, number three, Jesus gave what we never could. Jesus gave what we never could. Verse 10, Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God had for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Going down a bit to verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks from this water will, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus gave what I could never. Jesus gave what you could never. You know, it's so easy to look at this passage of Scripture and go, all right, Dan, we get it. We get it. We need to be more Christ-like. We get it. And you know what I say? No, we're missing the whole picture. We are missing the whole picture. If all we got out of that was we need to be more Christ-like, we've missed it as Christians. I don't need to be more Christ-like yet. Before I'm more Christ-like, I need to be more Samaritan-like. 
I need to be more Samaritan-like. I need to have the ability. sit and give Jesus the time of day. I need to get to a point where I sit at the well and allow my vulnerability to be exposed. Jesus, I'm unworthy. Jesus, I'm unclean. Jesus, I'm not good enough. Church, I think before we can ever be Christ-like, We need to be more Samaritan-like. We need to realise that Jesus wasn't just modelling the way that we interact with with others in our community and others outside of the church. He was modelling how we are to be in a relationship with Him, sitting at the feet of the one who can, sitting at the feet of the one who is perfect, sitting at the feet of the one that we can so openly say, I'm, I'm unclean. I'm not worthy. God, I, I don't deserve you. And yet here you are wanting to give me the time of day. Here you are sending your son Jesus to be the most vulnerable on a cross for all of my sin and my shame. You would do that for me? I need to be more Samaritan-like. Because later on, when you read in the Scripture that once the Samaritan had an encounter with Jesus, she didn't even end up getting her water. She left her bucket, left her robe, and she ran. <laughs> she ran back to her, her village, her town. She said, hey, I've got to tell you of this person. Wait, aren't you the unclean one? I don't care. You're unclean too. Let me tell you about someone. And she couldn't help but, but tell them about Jesus. We are to be more Christ-like. That's biblical. But I believe before, we ought to be more Christ-like. We ought to be more Samaritan-like. Maybe not the five husbands part, right? Maybe we'll let's skip that part, but but the rest of it. I want to wake up every day and say, God, I'm unclean, and yet you chose me. I'm not worthy, but yet you make me worthy. I'm not able. I'm not confident enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not gifted enough. And yet still you choose me. Still you choose to leave the 99 for the one, for me? You would do that for me? Why? Because He could give something that no one else ever can. He can draw from the spring that I'll no longer thirst from. But I've got to make a daily decision to sit at the foot of the well. I've got to make a daily decision to sit and wait for the one. Wait for the Creator. God, here I am. I'm waiting. I've got a whole lot of stuff back back home. A whole lot of stuff I've got to do. A whole lot of baggage. A whole lot of sin. A whole lot of shame. A whole lot of grit. But, but here I am. Would you meet me where I'm at? Would you meet me at the well? Church, I'm here to encourage one, maybe everyone, I don't know, that you are never too far gone. You have never done too much to disqualify yourself from the love, forgiveness, and mercy of your Creator. You're saying, I don't deserve it. You're right, neither do I. I don't deserve His love. 
And the great thing is because we never deserve it, we could never earn it. There is nothing, I love that song, uh, Reckless Love. I love it because it's so true. There is nothing we could ever do to earn or deserve the love of God. And if we can't earn it or deserve it, all that's left is to receive it. There's nothing else. All that's left is to receive it. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 